Welcome to another episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. I am your host, Lisa Hillier. Today I have Tanya Lee with me on the show. Tanya Lee is a sole proprietor entrepreneur who has served the past 25 years as a mentor and facilitator in movement arts and lifestyle management. She is the creator behind Body Art Motion, where a big part of her work is about the reintegration of ancient wisdom to improve the flow of modern life and to make the regular grind a little more interesting and purposeful. She's currently exploring from the toolboxes of transnational fusion dance and yogic alignment therapies with Western astrology and occult philosophies. And she is also passionate about community connections, storytelling through performance art, and co-creating with her partner, Zephram, on projects such as the newly released Looney Solar Calendar and Workbook. In today's episode, we dive into the witch, healing through dance, working with the moon, the sun, the cycles, and the seasons of the universe, and so much more. Tanya, I would love for you to share the work that you are offering the world today. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. It's such an honor to be here. And I just wanted to say first how excited I am to have these conversations with you because we've tried to meet up a couple of times and we've had some good conversations, but I've been waiting for this one and it's... um, it's interesting that it ends up being something that's being recorded for the public. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm super excited. Okay, let's get started. Your question was, what is my work today? Yes. And how did we... Just what's your work that you're offering the world today? And then how did you get there? How did I get there? Okay, I'm going to try to make a small summary of that. So I'm 25 <laughs> years in. Uh, So there's been a lot of progressions and a lot of contributions to where the work is today. And I've been reflecting over the weekend since I got your questions and I knew what we were going to talk about. And it's interesting that we reflect that I have this opportunity to reflect while Venus is retrograde and Mercury is retrograde and the Mm. planet of relationships and planet of communication and learning and development So a lot has uh, come up as far as through lines through the last 25 years. So right now, my work is, I would say, fourfold. So I'm working with uh, dance as a healing modality, um, energy work, uh, occult philosophies, and Western astrology, and putting them all in a a soup and finding a way to create a system or a structure to contain a path that all those can find synchronicity. And throughout the last 25 years, it's always been an interesting balance on how much of my personal will is involved in the direction that the work goes and how much just the vibes, the people who are drawn to the work and who are involved in it um, in many different ways as students, as instructors, as support, um, also help to mold and shape the direction. So I find it's always been a balance of what I'm passionate about and what I'm excited about and what I wanna do and what 
is being called in by something outside of me. Mm. So it's been an interesting ride being in it, but also observing where it goes. So the two main um, themes that I've seen have come up, no matter what the work has looked like and what I've been involved in, because I've been involved in a full spectrum of art forms and uh, sciences, but that's cultivating personal power is one theme Mm. that Mm. has been continuous through it, finding, accessing, nurturing, growing personal power. Uh, And the second is uh, claiming or reclaiming the body as a vessel for creation. Those are the two. Yeah, reclaiming the body. And sometimes we can be on our healing journeys and ignoring the body. And she always calls us back, like you have to go in to the body, into the the wisdom that is within her to find that um, magic. You know, it's like our, our body holds so, so, so much for us. And I, well, just a backstory how Tanya and I came to be friends and to, um, I've attended many of her workshops is, is through dance. I remember I went to a Reiki session and the healer told me I had tar like energy in my sacral. And I was like, Oh, I need to dance. She was like, you need to dance. And then I started Tanya's dance classes. So, um, we'll definitely come back into dance more as a healing modality and as a tool. And so for you, that's kind of what your look, your work looks like today. What are kind of the pivotal moments that have led you to this, you know, like the dark nights of the soul, maybe going on a different path or, um, just those moments where something really feels out of alignment and the goddess brings us back to what is our truth, you know? And so does anything come up for you of those pivotal moments that led you to this work today? Yes. And that was, uh, when you sent me the questions on Friday and I, I read, um, what was the dark night of your dark night of the soul. And I haven't really used that terminology, So I had to look it up and be like, what's a dark night of the soul? And I've heard it and I kind of got it, you know, like it's the dark times that you go through and, you know, when you get knocked down, you get back up again and that sort of thing. But I was like, well, how is it defined? So um, when I looked that up, um, if I was to define dark night of the soul as uh, those points in your life where you feel like a part of your identity is has been hit by a lightning bolt or crumbled or like a way that you have identified with yourself is actually an illusion and it's not a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in some circles they talk about the um, ego death. So a certain part of what the ego identifies with and it's painful because we attach our, our identity to things and then when we when that identity is challenged or ripped out from underneath us or taken from us or, you know, however you end up there, it's, it takes the wind out of your sails. It takes your breath away and hope, you know, cause a lot of our hopes are attached to that. So if I think about that as the definition um, where, and then in that darkness, you you meet something bigger than you, something outside of you, something that's beyond the ego that then helps guide you out of that place, which is you know the name of your podcast, the Phoenix Rising. I <laughs> know that is that is the Phoenix Rising, right? Yeah. So when I sat with that, I was like, I 
believe that I've had four dark nights of the soul, one for each decade of my life. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can remember one between zero and 10 years old. I can remember one between 10 and 20. I remember when it happened in my 20s. I remember when it happened in my 30s. And I'm just coming out of the one in my 40s right now. Mm-hmm. And each one of those shifts knocked me on my ass. I didn't think I could get back up again. Mm-hmm. There's different things that helped me up in different ways. But in the end, it always showed itself through the work. Mm. And because you, ha- you have to, you have to get back up again. And how are you going to do it? So each time I got back up again, my work shifted. Mm. Yeah. And does it feel like each time that you got back up and I, and I love that, like, it's almost like the goddess meets us in those spaces. I'm as well just coming out. <laughs> from another dark night of the soul. Um, it's like the goddess meets us, meets us in those spaces and gives us like the strength to pick us up, like pick ourselves up, open the door or let whatever wants to die, die. And so when you speak to the work, what does the work look like that is like allowed you to pick yourself back up. That's the word that's coming to mind or rise. We'll use mm-hmm. Phoenix rising, right? Cause rise. it's that rising yeah. that takes what? place. What is the work looked like? Um, well, uh, if I just go back to the, um, I'm just gonna, I want to talk just briefly about micro and macro cycles and micro and macro happenings. So there's many dark nights. Now I had a a recent one back in the Scorpio new moon uh, cycle. This was last fall where I got hit, felt like I got hit with lightning, but I did something that I knew was out of alignment with my path, something physically. I pushed my physical body where it wasn't supposed to go. And I ended up with nerve pain, sciatic pain, And I used to actually treat low back and sciatic pain like as my job for like a good year. That's what I was really focused in on. And I could see the pain in people's eyes when they came in. I could, you know, empathize with it, but I didn't, I could see how much pain, but I couldn't feel it, but I felt it. And that nerve pain, if you've ever had that, you got to drop everything else and drop in. And so in that process, um, I went back to some brute trainings that I hadn't touched for a while. And it brought me back into some yoga therapies that I hadn't been using for a while. Um, It also, when I went into the pain and sat in the pain, because that type of pain, you have to listen to it. It's your only way out is to listen to it. Or I guess you could choose to try to mask it some way, but it'll keep showing up again. But when I went into the pain, um, this, that's when, uh, some different occult philosophies presented themselves to me. It's the only way I could, I can put it, but I just woke up in the morning from a dream and I had needed to look up the tree of life. And from that, the chakra system or the spheres that come from that and started to work with that. And then that's how I got myself out of the pain. And so from that point forward, the tree of life has now become an integral part of the progression of the work. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. Can you 
just for everybody listening, what the occult is, what is the occult and what is the tree of life? So the occult, it sounds like such a scary word. And I think this is what ties back to one of your questions coming up about witch's wound, because it has the word cult in it. So, Mm. you know, we have certain vibrations in our body when we hear words. Um, There's different definitions for it, but how I see it is it's the unseen. Mm. It is what is unseen. Um, The magic that is beyond science and beyond religion that we haven't been able to capture into, you know, and the old, um, some of the old occult philosophies are like the Hermetic Kabbalah or the tree of life is associated with. And I'm fairly new to these studies. I'm not a scholar in these areas by any means. I'm two years into um, this particular area of study. And it's fascinating because it's, it's so old, we don't even know where to track it from. There's an emerald tablet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, a book called the uh, Kabbalion, which is um, written by, you know, we don't even know, but it's been uh, associated with Egyptian gods and Greek gods. And, and so it, we can't really track it. It's that old, which excites me. I'm really drawn to things that are super, super old. And being back in a time where things were, um, where there was less human involvement in, or human will, I guess you'd be calling it the patriarchy or like less light pollution. You could actually look at the sky and use it as a clock. Yeah. Right? And be in touch with nature and its cycles and how that we are an extension of that. There's a hermetic, um, there's her- hermetic, seven hermetic principles. And one of them is as above, so below, as within, so without, as the universe, so the soul, which is that, you know, if we pay attention to nature and if we actually pay attention to what's happening, below and above we can see how that is mirrored within us Mm, yeah it brings back that macro and the micro Mm -hmm. as well yeah it always comes back to that image of the eye for me when they you know when you see images of our eye it's like the images of the cosmos as well and like nebulas and everything that is all around us is within us too and it's so powerful when we tap into those inner cycles and the the rhythm of everything that is is around right. us. Yeah. I love the common sense of it too. It's logical. It can be broken down. And there's a, there's a series of scientists and, and physicists that are breaking down these old principles and laws and how they can actually be explained into science, which is super exciting as well. Mm, beautiful. So how does the witch, who is the witch for you? In this day and age, or where the word, the first definition? Both. Yeah, I think it's hard to separate them, hey? And it's hard to separate the word from the witch wound Yeah. as well. Because yeah. just like the occult, the word witch has a certain vibe, you know, we think, what's that witchy woman who sang witchy woman? I don't remember. Oh, I can't believe. <laughs> Witchy woman. I don't remember. Oh, come on. We know the this. Eagles? I can now I can see her in my she's like epic. Oh man. I'm gonna blame it on Mercury retrograde that I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners are probably like screaming her name. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's gonna come up. Um, so in some ways it's like cool to be a witch, right? Because it means like you're, you know, you're powerful and you're dangerous and and where did that come from? Mm. Right. Um, so and I think we're just bringing it back. Like it's you look at Instagram and like that, it's now becoming like cool to be a witch, to be like a sovereign woman and doing her thing. And um, the first thing that came to mind for me was um, I was actually listening to a podcast. One of my dance teachers, Amy Sigil, was on a, a witchy podcast and she was asked, like, do you identify as a witch? And her answer was interesting because she said, well, I, I looked up the definition of what witch was and and in Wikipedia and what... I think the first line in there is a woman who dot, dot, dot. And I don't think that gender is applied to the term witch Mm -hmm. anymore Mm -hmm. because I have male friends who are identifying as witches, you know? So, but I think from the past, like the witch trials and the mass murder of women who seem to own particular powers um, was the definition of of which, so that's I think where the association from woman comes from. But I thought it was interesting when I was looking up um, what the witch wound is, because I hadn't really heard that term until you asked that question either. And uh, I found this uh, person's website named Jessica Da Silva. It was like mm. the first thing that came up and uh, her definition of it was your witch wound is the imprint left on your soul from that incarnation, from the witch trials of yeah. 1600s where there was like, I think 60,000 or more murders tracked, some say more through Europe and, and the Americas. Um, she says, so your witch wound is the imprint left on your soul from that incarnation. It's a soul-based trauma that keeps you inside the box now. Mm, yeah. And if, if it's a soul-based trauma then, and we believe in reincarnation, then men could be walking around with a witch wound as well right Mm. or you know non um non-gender you know anybody it doesn't matter which you could have that soul witch wound you know yeah 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 and it comes back to the patriarchy you know the patriarchy instilled the witch wound on us and and everybody is um suffering, I'll use the word suffering, or holding on to some shackles from the patriarchy, men, women, every, every facet of this human experience. And so we, we do see it show up in all, all humans, that beautiful witch wound that we can work with to alchemize into something um, greater. You know, it's like that darkness. We, we see the dark, we honor the dark, we go into the dark, and then it alchemizes and and transmutes into something something different and so the witch for me this is who the witch is for me is a woman man human deeply in tune with the cycles of the earth with nature and in her medicine like she is in her medicine and her power in that creatrix energy that is within you know our bodies it's like that reclamation of the sorceress, the witch, the mega, the like the oracle, it's taking that back and reclaiming that. And, and that's how the witch shows up for me. And so it might be casting spells. 
I don't cast spells. It, it might, there's so many different ways that the witch can show up that might, you know, be out there in the outer world, but it's like, who is the witch for me and to stand fully in my power? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I had written a bunch down here too, as a similar line, but not even if it may not be apparent that you're in cycle in, in, in uh, alignment with the cycles of nature, but you're um, making a difference in the world. You're standing up, you're speaking out for what you believe in, you're, you know, contributing to the betterment of humanity. You're, for me, anyways, the witch, maybe because I have a strong Aquarian energy, but it's anybody who's willing to step outside of the box mm -hmm. and has the courage to live a different way than what we're conditioned to live. And this, that's going on huge right now everywhere. We're noticing all the systems that are broken. Not even broken, but just they don't function in alignment with the evolution of, you know, humanity on planet Earth. Mm. So let's mm -hmm. zip to Mars and do it instead. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think we just stay here and work in harmony. And the witch works in harmony with the Earth. You know, she's in tune with the mother like Gaia right she's not wanting to and I use the word she just because I work mostly with women mm -hmm. so she comes up for me but again it, it's not masculine it's not feminine it, it's within us all but it's it's coming back to that innate with nature innate mm -hmm. cyclical nature that is within us that cycles just like the earth and so that connection to her can be so healing the connection to the earth can be such a powerful aspect of the witch and also the connection to the cosmos and the you know the freaking universe that we live in coming back to that inner inner knowing and guide yeah, yeah. so I don't think we need to go to Mars no totally not something just came up when you were um so eloquently speaking of the witch and and as that energy being connected with the power of nature and the cosmos, all that is. And because we are, it's a very, I think it's a very powerful thing because if it's done, it's a full circle experience where you're not keep, it's powerful, but you're not keeping it for yourself. You're recycling it, which is part of a cycle. Cycles yeah. need to recycle. And I think we so there's so much fear that we just hang on to things and we want to own things. Mm. And, you know, you can't own, I think a lot of, I would say even the original witch wound is further back to when we started thinking that we could own pieces of land. And that, and that's where men also thought they could own women in many cultures as well. And it's interesting that that I think that happened. I'm not a historian by any means, but from some of the sources that I've read, it happened at almost the same time where, you know, the conquering of land and the ownership of women to produce heirs. And at that same time, by doing that, we disconnected from the ways of nature because before that, I guess in egalitarian times, the women's bodies were known to mimic the cycles of nature, right? And uh, in particular, a uh, woman who bled every month with the cycle of the moon, 
it, she was seen as magic because her body could do what the moon does. And, you know, every month it went into darkness and came into light. And, and the moon belongs to us. It belongs to the earth. It doesn't belong to any other planet. So there's all our planets in the solar system and we're all going around the sun, but the moon is traveling around the earth. So if we pay attention to the moon, it can show us how to live with the cycles of the earth. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I just want to touch on the witch trials and then I want to come back to mm -hmm. working with the moon. Cause I know that's a big part of, of your inner work and as well as the work that you, that you offer. And so with the witch trials, just in your personal, you know, experience, what, why did the witch trials happen? What was it that, um, the patriarchy feared so much? Does anything come up for you around that? Well, I, <laughs> I can tell you what I think, what my perspective is, and you know, just pure speculation, because I actually have not spent a large chunk of time researching into the rich trials or, or I have not spent a big chunk of time contemplating that era. I'm been working in the present and the future. So, um, but I could imagine that it was a time when um, we wanted to control belief systems. We wanted to create systems that contained beliefs of the human experience and and what it was to be human and what it wasn't to be human and what was good and what was bad. And um, and I think we were coming off a time where, you know, men ruled the land and some innately um, the women were, you know, we're having babies and stuff. So how can we not be drawn to wanting to cycle and nurture and naturally heal and, and do those sorts of things. But it was scary for those in power because it showed a different way mm -hmm. of achieving, you know, happiness or joy or bliss or healing. And there couldn't be another way. So you just have to kill the other way. Mm -hmm. So that it went and steal some fear as well. And I think that's part of, for me, part of a witch win too is, um, women turning against each other. It was a time where, you know, there was so much fear that you, know, you were forced to, you know, throw your sister under the bus so that you weren't um, in danger anymore. And, you know, there's still some of that happening in current day reality, unfortunately. And, and until we realize like how strong we could be together and how much more powerful we can be together that wound, I think, will still um, penetrate our ability, right? Because you can only do so much as one person. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you for sharing your perspective. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we all have our perspectives. And I think that's part of reclaiming the witch is sinking into our own inner knowing and our intuition. You know, maybe it's reclamation of the witch or it's just re reclamation of ourselves in general where we're like, there's an inner knowing within me that feels something when I hear about the witch trials or when I hear the witch word or, you know, anything like that and, and the witch wound. And, 
you spoke so beautifully to it. Like part of the witch wound is not trusting other women because we had to be turned against each other or not being able to speak our truth. And we're seeing that so much right now. I have women reach out to me just like through Instagram and it's like, I, I want to speak my truth, but I can't speak my truth. And it's like, that is that fear that is embedded in your bones, probably from that lifetime or, or you know, past lives where you might've been burned at the stake for speaking your truth. And so it's coming out to be healed and acknowledged and witnessed. And then it's like creating that safety in the body. Yes. I can speak my truth. You know, I, I can say what I know in my bones and know that is my truth, you know? So yeah. Which wounds powerful to recognize where it lives within each and every one of us so that we can kind of break free from that. Cause that's kind of what we're seeing on the planet is that breaking free from systems that mm -hmm. don't really work anymore. You know, in my yeah. opinion, they never worked, but <laughs> yeah. here we are. Yeah. And so, so they're crumbling all around us. So, yeah. So how for you, the moon, how do you work with the moon? Well, how did, how does she guide? Mm -hmm. Which Bef you before we move on to that, can I just um comment on what you just said? <laughs> it was uh, yeah. um, super important stuff, and it about you know that there's so many women contacting you about this topic as well about sharing publicly. This is you know, for me, each of my dark night of the souls have been have included this aspect it's been a like rise to be confident and let myself shine and then be taken down by like a group another group and being like oh my gosh this hurts so like being burned at the stake in the middle of like I can't I don't even want to compare it to that because I couldn't even imagine the the pain that that would like I couldn't <laughs> imagine but uh but I know how painful it feels to feel betrayed and, you know, not attaching to the victim here. I'm sure I've betrayed people myself. Like I don't think we can ever look at our, our wounds from one angle and, mm -hmm. and deny that we haven't hurt other people, yeah. but it is, especially when you feel alone and there's numbers against you and you don't feel like anybody. I had one wound where I was actually, one dark night of the soul where I was alone when it happened and I didn't have anybody to turn to. And that changed the course of my life, who I am as a person. Um, but what I've noticed and what gives me hope that I am growing and I am learning is this last time it happened, I was surrounded with this intense love. I had so much love around me and so much support that you know, it was almost felt like I was protected. And it was, um, it was an amazing feeling. So it's like everything has its gradient. So the dark and the light, but those are the times when it's um, validation that I'm on the right path. Just keep building the love, keep building the love, keep building the love because there will be another dark night and, you know, the light will be brighter each time. So I just wanted yeah. to, to, uh, yeah, touch on that. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Cause it is like seeing that 
gathering of humans that are around you. And you spoke to it earlier, just like a woman on her own is super powerful for sure. But when she's like fully supported and held by a group of women and men, you know, that's a freaking force when we can rise together and allow others to support us and hold us. And, you know, we weren't meant to do this on our own and, and not taking away from the first dark night of the soul when you were on your own, because that gives strength and resilience too, where it's like, you know, it might've been a, a deeper connection to the goddess or somewhere inside the self, you know, where you can rise from that really potent place. And I, I think of dark nights of the soul as initiations that almost like clear away all the shit that is not in alignment with your truth and allow you to stand on more of a solid foundation into who, who you truly are. So preach it sister. They That's, suck. Yeah, I know, but it's, <laughs> it's worth it every time. Yeah. And they're painful and Very painful. You know, what I've really recognized is pain is not something we're not meant to experience, right? We're on a planet of duality. We're meant to experience pain. You know, it's part of it. Um, and so the more that we can sink into the pain, that's kind of where the portal can be, you know, as opposed to masking or numbing out or avoiding, you know, I did that for a really, really, really long time. So I agree. Yeah. But boy, do we try to get away from it when I see it coming. It's like, Oh no, <laughs> Let me just go avoid this over here. Let me just close my eyes. Let me just think positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So powerful when we go into it. So, mm -hmm. so with the the moon, does it feel like time to come yes. back to the moon? How um, how do you work with the moon as a witch or as a human? How does it all <laughs> play in together? <laughs> I was talking to my partner, Jay, earlier. I'm like, and then she asked how to work with the moon. I'm like, mm. I'm like I got 20 years full of stuff on that. <laughs> I might narrow it down. But the moon is, is my best friend. And you can co-create with the moon and the sun, just the lights, the light of the day and the light of the night without even going into any other planets and, and find so much, find a lifetime worth of richness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's so many ways you can use it. Um, I have, I'm a sun in Aquarius, moon in Aquarius. So I'm an experimenter, mad scientist of sorts. So if mm -hmm. I've done a lot of experiments with the moon, I also um, like things that can be tracked and that, I, you know, I will only work an experiment so long without, if there, if there's nothing coming of it, I'm just going to leave it and go into another one. Mm. So there's a few that I've found that um, really beneficial, but um, not to avoid your question, the moon. So I like using right now the moon as a magical timing device. Mm. Mm -hmm. And uh, used by those who want to live in more harmony with natural law. So the moon can be a teacher on how to find balance on the planet. Um, why it's a witchy act is because current reality wants you to use their clock and their calendar. Mm -hmm. So by using like a loony solar calendar, by going with the timing of the moon and the timing of the sun, instead of 
it's 4.45, I need to be doing this. Or it's the first Monday of the month and I need to be doing this. Or it's, you know, instead you look and you're like, okay, is the moon waxing or is it waning? Right? What season are we in? Mm-hmm. And how does, so that's what I mostly use it for as a, is it as basically guides my life and, uh, and different things that I focus on at different times when I push harder, when I rest. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's powerful to bring up, you know, we live by a Gregorian calendar that I don't know why it was created. I, I don't know. I don't feel like I need to know. I don't know, but you know, it's like January 1st, all these new year's resolutions, intentions, like I'm coming out of the gates and that is not what the earth is telling us to do. And, you know, we're, we're in the Northern hemisphere. We're in a very cold climate. Um, the earth is sleeping. And so January, you know, that's meant for deep rest and to go within. That's what the earth is teaching us, you know, in the winter. So I, I notice for myself, like I get up way later than I normally would because the sun doesn't come up till 8 a.m. So I get up with her and it's just tuning into those cycles within as opposed to, well, the Gregorian calendar says it's January 1st. I need to like do a bunch of shit, you know, get shits done, create yeah. my intentions. Um, so with that, what is the moon? Like the, what's the waxing tell us? What is the waning tell us? What is the dark moon tell us? What is the full moon tell us? Quick one-on-one. <laughs> and even like what is winter on, you know, and Gaia tell us or spring yeah. or summer, you know, it all yeah. kind of correlates and works together. Yeah. It's actually quite interesting. Um, the annual calendar is not too far off from the significant shifts because it was, you know, uh, Christianity borrowed a lot from, you know, pagan religions. And there was a lot of like, even the sign of the cross is came way before Christianity. So that's, mm. um, so that's not too far off, but the system isn't exact because you can't make something static out of something dynamic. And I think as humans are obsessed with making structures, which is great because creativity needs limitations. If we're here to create, we need structures in order to create. But the if we don't listen, like, anyways, the structures aren't fit in the, <laughs> the vibe yeah. of the earth. So yeah. um, macro cycles and micro cycles, I like to see the sun and the moon, the sun is being a macro and the moon is a micro. So they mimic each other, even though they're um, different energies. So the sun doesn't wax and wane because it has its, it is a source of light where the moon is not a source of light. It reflects the light of the sun and the relationship between the sun, the moon and the earth. So um, the sun will go further away from the earth and closer to the earth and our days will get longer and our nights will get longer and our days will get shorter and our nights will get shorter. So there's, you can, divide the cycle into different parts. So you can divide it into half, which is a waxing or a waning. So a new moon is when you cannot see the moon in the sky because it is not reflecting any of the sunlight, which could be equivalent to winter solstice when the sun is at zero degrees, well, here in the Northern hemisphere, when the um, sun is at uh, zero degrees Capricorn and it is our longest night, it is our darkest day. So those could be 
equivalent in the cycle, right? And there's different theories that match the solar and the lunar cycles up differently, but this is the one that um, seems to be most predominant. And then the full moon is when we can, the full moon is illuminated by the light of the sun. So the light of the night is its brightest and it's most powerful. And that would be the equivalent of the summer solstice here in the Northern hemispheres when the sun goes into zero degrees Cancer. In the Southern, it would be zero degrees Capricorn. So it's a complete opposite. So those are like the, the darkest part of the year and the lightest part of the year. So summer solstice is our longest day, our shortest night. Mm -hmm. And I know here, like up in the Northwest Territories, my dad lived there for a couple of years and he would talk about the day when it never got dark. Mm. <laughs> it would just yeah. be light for 24 hours. <laughs> Couldn't imagine. And then obviously the opposite would happen. So not a lot of people could survive a, a winter up there. I grew up really far north and that was how it was. We'd get like two hours of nighttime in the summer. Great for parties. Great for parties. <laughs> but in the winter, we'd only get a couple hours of daylight and it's it's intense. You know, you you it really affects us for sure. So well, that's right. I listened to your um your first podcast where you shared your story very generously. I remember mm -hmm. you talking about growing up in the, I went to the bush parties and stuff too. I grew up in small town, Alberta. <laughs> so I could resonate yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, so we could call from winter solstice to summer solstice, the waxing part of the year. Um, so when moon cycles, the new moon to the full moon would be the waxing phase. Mm -hmm. And then full moon to new moon is the waning phase. So the light is waxing onto the moon and then the light is waning off of the moon. Mm. The light is increasing. So it's basically about increase and decrease. And I know in, um, if you're the type of person that likes to cast spells or do astrological magic or um, even gardening and uh, growing crops and, and plants and, and charging crystals and and that sort of thing, it's super helpful to know if the moon is waxing or waning, if the energy is increasing or decreasing. So if you wanted to, when it's waxing, it's, it's um, the vibe is about attracting because the moon is attracting the light of the sun. So you're attracting things, you're manifesting. And then on the waning, the light is leaving. So it's time to release and let go. You can also look at that as um, light and dark as in going within and then interacting with others. Cause a big part of our balance is about our relationship with ourself balanced with our relationship with others. And it's important to take time to go within and look at what's what you are, you know, without anybody else's opinion and get you know, anchored into that. And then it's also important to have dialogue and communicate with people and share and connect to expand that way. So the moon can also um, give us best times for that. So that's where the quarter moons come in. And the quarter moons, this is the second quarter and third quarter. If we say they're, f some people call first quarter, third quarter, but uh, I've, I like second quarter, fourth quarter, because from, New moon to first quarter is their first quarter of the cycle, which takes you to the second quarter moon. And then you go start the second quarter or the second quarter of the cycle 
and then you come to a full moon and then you go into the third quarter of the cycle and you hit the fourth quarter moon and then you come into the fourth quarter of this so if you separate it into four quarters you can get deeper mm-hmm. but you can have success just doing the two halves the waxing and the waning or you can draw a horizontal line and a vertical line and separate the circle into four quadrants which gives you a little bit more information about when to come inward and when to go outward so if i'm in the lower half so the the point before the new moon and after the new moon is when i spend most of my time isolated and thinking about things and planning and if the moon's from um just before the full moon and just after the full moon that's when i'm more active in the world and if you look at animals that's kind of how they are too oh, yeah. in the wild yeah animals are such teachers as well it's like coming back to our own inner nature you know and how how we see that being expressed in the in the wild world and sinking into our own inner wild woman and being like okay how does she want to move and all that kind of stuff, you know, just really a a portal into the self. So I just want to touch on, you know, for women that are bleeding, how that correlates with the moon, our own inner moon cycle. And so, you know, if the, the, the moon is waxing or waning, also tuning into what's going on in your own body can be super. Yes effective to your own inner guide. So how does that play out for you just as a a portal into the self? I find it, uh, I I often make a joke. I'm like, this is why women are good at multitasking (laughs) because cycles within cycles within cycles. But uh, yes, so if you um, have a uterus that is bleeding and you're experiencing a cycle, it mimics the moon cycle as far as the um, chemical changes, biochemical changes that happen in the body, the different releases of hormones. So we're preparing a container to receive life. Mm -hmm. And so it's building and that container and that structure is being built. That's like the waxing phase up into the full moon, which is ovulation. I am fertile, I am ready to receive the seed of creation. And then after that, either it goes through um, that growth process, but I'm going to talk to it as just as a cycle that's not inhabited by a, by a baby. Um, mm-hmm. That then, if it is not received, the body then goes through a death. So the horm- certain hormones, I can't remember the hormones that are released. Um, I haven't talked about this in a long time. I used to know the terms, but it prepares to shed the lining. So there's a death that happens. And uh, I think it's the egg that's released. It's not fertilized, goes back into the lining and then it sheds and it's released, Um, which is pretty much what happens in the moon cycle. In our new moons, we we redirect our intention somewhere, our focus somewhere, and we build new structures around a growing consciousness. And then at the full noon, that's illumination, things are illuminated. And then we go back in and we reflect on it and we, we realize what is no longer needed for that new structure to evolve. So we let that go. And then we go again and again and again, like the Ouroboros eating its tail. Yeah. Um, but with the woman's, um, I'll just finish that. With the woman's um, 
cycle, sometimes it cycles with the moon and sometimes it doesn't. And mine flips. I've had a really regular menstrual cycle. So sometimes I'll um, bleed with the new moon and sometimes with the full moon and sometimes it flips. I find it flips. Um, but when it's in sync, it feels different than when it isn't. So you actually have a moon cycle going on inside of you and a moon cycle going on outside of you. And sometimes they come into sync and sometimes they don't. And we can sync together with each other. I have a friend, her husband calls her, um, where is it? I wrote it down. He just gave her the name last night, the Mensis witch. Because anytime she starts bleeding and she's near you and she hugs you or she touches you, you get your period the next day. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. And it's um, even like coming into that own inner knowing of if you are bleeding with the new moon, how that feels for you. You know, there's theories out there that if you bleed with the new moon, you're more in your like creatrix power, you know, you're really birthing things. If you're bleeding with the full moon, you're more in your like mega, your sorceress, you're just in your magic all the time. But you, when you tune into it, you can start to see how it feels for you, you yes. know, what comes through. And, and I think it's important to bring, if, if you don't bleed, if you're just off in the cycle somewhere else, it's, that's perfect too. Like fluorescent lights have changed where we're not our circadian rhythm. Circadian, circadian. <laughs> um, is off because there's there's a lot of false light around us, you know. And so there's nothing wrong if you're not bleeding with the moon at all. You, you've spent um, a significant amount of time like isolating in in nature, like in the forest and in the little homes. And so, have you noticed anything different with your cycle since? Yeah, I started tuning into the new moon. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, I am <laughs> out in nature a lot and I do, I start bleeding with the new moon. So it, and in the ancient times, that was what would happen was would women would all gather together and bleed on the, the new moon. And, and, you know, when we're bleeding, we're in our, the veils are the thinnest, we're receiving the wisdom from the universe and we're really open to our nature and our intuition. And so they would gather and do that together. So I did mm -hmm. notice the shift when I was or I am out of the city now as well. My cycle changes. Like right now I, I wake up with the sun that would have never happened hmm. at all when I was in the city. Um, Fascinating. You know, yeah. So we start to tune into that, that rhythm for sure. I find it interesting to like, because I'm approaching men, well, both approaching menopause and lately I've just, I find I've been more attached to my cycle. I feel like I'm really going to miss it. And it's just, been there and 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 I have quite a few friends actually that have are already on the other side of it and it's interesting and I have quite a few friends who have had hysterectomies as well mm -hmm. and there's also you know people born without uteruses that feel like they have the energetic imprint of a uterus as well so there's I think we're in a time right now where our mind's being expanded beyond you know just what you can see in the physical world so yeah. I'm gonna I wonder you know, because there could be you know, what they call a phantom limb. Like when you like lose an arm or something, it still feels like it's there. And I'm like, I wonder how the cycles, I know my mother-in-law makes jokes. She's like, things going to get real dry. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, things get hot. Things, uh, yeah, so I'm, 
will be neat. Well, might may we may get to go through that together. It will be great to go through that with some friends and share experiences. It's interesting. I like I'll share what's come up for me because I go through like six month periods where I don't bleed. And um, the dialogue that it comes up in my mind of the patriarchy living through me of into such grief about not bleeding anymore because what does it mean about me? I can't have kids anymore. What am I good for now? You know, this just the patriarchy breathing through me. And I noticed that coming up and I was blown away by it. But that's kind of how our, our society has conditioned us in a way, you know, was women age there. What are they good for? You know, that's kind of the narrative. And I, it was so fascinating when it came up within me. And so it, you know, was an opportunity to really look into that. And I mean, honestly, I don't want any more kids, but I still was like, clinging to I don't want to lose my period or you know my moon blood and so it's it's a it's an initiation in itself yes for sure and yeah I I think it's us reclaiming that time in our life where the wisdom is embedded in our bones and you know that inner knowing that comes as we age um is so powerful so so powerful so (sighs) I'm excited for it but I also did notice (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the conditioning that yeah. has with interesting it. And the yeah day. and even the um the youthfulness right like our attachment you know the current reality to to valuing youth in particular yeah. you know in a female body that it's just you're not of no yeah like you said you're of of no use and and you're less attractive the older you get and i yeah, I really have been looking forward to aging. I've always wanted to be older than I, I used to lie about my age when I was a kid. I was dated boys way older than me. Mm. Tell them, I told them I was older than I was. <laughs> and I just like, I'm interested to see how I age, but now like my 47th birthday is next month and I'm starting to see like the changes in my face. And instead of looking at them as, you know, beautiful or ugly just like oh interesting where the accents fall so you know I spend a lot of time smiling so I have lines in in certain Mm. spots I also spend a lot of time concentrating and focusing so I get these hard lines down the middle of my eyes and you know and I have people come up to me and say you know you could you could eject that with a thing and you could take and I'm like but why would I want to do that yeah you know and and just if you're aesthetically focused as aesthetics is one of your things that I totally understand that because, you know, your appearance is an art form. Aesthetics hasn't been high on my list. I value different things and not to devalue aesthetics whatsoever because everybody has the right to create art with their appearance, how Mm. they see fit. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is interesting how we, in my experience, you know, not so much now, but earlier would like cling to that maiden energy, the youthful energy. But the truth is like when I was in my maiden, I did not feel beautiful at all. I was doing things to my body that were horrible, you know, and, and now, so it's like, as I get older, it's like, we're more embedded in who we are. This has been my experience of it. And I feel more beautiful than I've ever felt. But the narrative outside is like, cling to that youth and don't let it go. And so I think it's really powerful to, to age gracefully, you know, to, 
just stand in who you are. It's like, it's coming back to that witch wound, like standing in our truth and who we are, whatever that looks like for, for each and every one of us. Yeah. I just got that vision of like every dark night of the soul that you shed another layer of skin to reveal more of who you really are. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. And only time can do that. Only time. <laughs> yes. Yes. I just want to touch on for a moment, just because you spoke briefly to it, like with the Christianity taking over the pagan relics. Why is that the word that's coming to my mind? But it's like the, 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 the Christian churches and stuff were built on the sacred sites of the pagans. And so there is a deep correlation. Is that fair to say of like the cross, like the Celtic cross was used way before it came into Christianity. And so those sites like church sites, like where different churches are built, they were oftentimes sacred, sacred to the Celts, to the pagans. Um, and so there is that magic, the magic and the wisdom steep, steeped in them for sure. You know, it's like those sacred sites that we go to, sorry, I'm rambling on here, but like going no, to Avalon or the stone circles or churches, you feel that energy because our ancestors used to work with the sun, the moon, the planets, the earth map this beautiful magic out and so you feel that energy when you're in those spaces yeah yeah Yeah, I do believe that too that spaces have energetic imprints especially if uh, a pattern has been repeated over and over and over again like a lot of rituals are designed as patterns that are repeated over and over and over again the same way to tap into the energetic pattern that already exists it's fascinating yeah yeah fascinating how, how does astrology how do you work with astrology because i know you're an astrologist and have studied i'm a student of astrology yes student of astrology okay <laughs> mm-hmm. um how does that play into to the work that you do on yourself and also the work that you offer for the world um I use that, and this kind of ties into your question that I didn't actually answer, but uh, as, as, <laughs> as a structure, so those like the use of the cross in mm-hmm. religions and, and even any like particular symbols of power that hold power of vibration, um, this is why I got interested in Hermetic Kabbalah, and because uh, it's an underlying framework and philosophy for magical societies and a lot of religions and a lot of pagan. And so there's these structures that they're not based in any one religion, but they're just the way that things are structured and they correspond to natural law. So then they're used by a lot of different societies and religions. So one thing like the, the pentagram, right? pentagram comes with a lot of fear for a lot of people and I have you know I would love to use the pentagram in my work because it helps to balance the four elements in your body there's so much you can do with it but people see that and they're like afraid that you're going to bring them into a cult and control their mind and I have been accused of that before in a public forum right as part of my witch wound and I'm so I had to do deeper work and study and I'm like am I Am I brainwashing people? (laughs) 
Mm. And then I'm like, ah, I'm actually surrounded by some pretty independent, strong people on their own individual path, but we just happen to come together for these certain things. So I don't think I am doing that. <laughs> yeah. But it won't be the last time I get called out for it. But uh, yeah, so there's things like this that underlie it all and structures. I think structures and systems um like you can't you can't create without limitations like an artist knows that like it's if you have too many options and you just don't have any type of framework to to put the energy into to the container then it, it can't manifest on earth it needs some sort of structure so that's what a lot of these old um like the hermetic initiates were um looking into and like i said i'm not a scholar in this area by any means i'm just fascinated with it at this point in time and i'm some of my current work is integrating this into some movement patterns. We'll see how that turns out. Maybe you can come, come to class and show you some things. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm getting distracted now. I tend to do that. What was the question? Oh, um, so the symbols and the, the structure underlying it. That's why you'll see a lot of different symbols across that. Astrology is also a system mm. and it's an old system. So I've been using, um, like I, I do the odd astrology reading here and there, but it's not really where I focus. I like to use astrology as, um, as a guiding system to understand different things that are coming into play. And it's such a vast, vast area of study. And there's so many different types of astrology that you can study that it can get extremely overwhelming. So that's why like I was initiated into astrology just before my Saturn return. So that was like 2006. And so it's almost 20 years in. What is it now? It's 15. 22. 22. Really? Oh yeah, it's 2022 now. Yeah. <laughs> so did the math on that. <laughs> but it's been a consistent, it's been one of the most consistent practices that I've done throughout time it never goes away I've always used it and I've always had it around and for some strange reason I have like a photographic memory for astrology charts so when I see my friends uh astrology I know my friends astrology charts if I always ask if they want to share them um uh when I work with clients one-on-one -on -one, their astrology chart is always a part of that program um it's like a it's like a a bio picture for me it's like a selfie or whatever it's like the mm. picture of that person in symbols uh in the energetic blueprint of their potential and uh and i'm interested now also in group synergy so you know if you bring a group of people together to to do working together how is the the synergy of their astrology affecting the access to your potential and what you can do together as a group Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. It, what it feels like for me, you know, astrology can be a tool to mirror things to us. And then it, it can be a way of freedom because it's like, how can I support myself on this path? You know, knowing that I'm a Libra rising Sag sun moon and Taurus, you know, what is that? What are, what are the high road? I'm going to use that word or, you know, the, the light aspects of that. What are the shadow aspects of that? How can 100%. I support myself in it um, as, as a tool of empowerment, as opposed to something to keep me held back? I'm 
coming back to something that you spoke of earlier, and I'm, I don't know the term, but the snake eating the tail. The snake eating Aura the tail. Boris. Yeah, yeah. How does that play into astrology or just even in life? <laughs> so this is what... <laughs> <laughs> so I've been um, interested the last couple of years in uh, ceremonial magic, otherwise known as high magic. And I got uh, started on the path. A friend of mine, it's a fireball, she's a, a Syrian, and she pointed me in the direction of uh, Damien Eccles. I don't know, do you know, have you heard of Damien Eccles? Oh, he's got a fascinating story. He was... Um, wrongly accused of murder at 18 years old and spent almost two decades in um, on death row. Oh, wow. And so he used magic and practiced magic in his cell, not be, having access to any, you know, wands or crystals or anything or nature even. And oftentimes in isolation where you don't even know if it's sunset, sunrise or sunset. And, um, and got himself, uh, he owes his release from prison to the magic that he did mm. in prison. So anyways, I could go on and on about him, but so I'm on his Patreon, listen to his lives uh, quite often. And he was talking about the Ouroboros and, and uh, so he's a snake eating its tail. And it's also the symbol, um, I have a poster that uh, occult anatomy on my wall here and it's wrapped around the ankles of the body in the picture, almost like shackles. Mm. And uh, so life on planet earth is about that continuous cycle of going in a circle, in a circle, in a circle. And I used to say, when I first started working with these moon cycles, I'm like, the idea is not to go in circle and keep going back in the same circle, but to spiral. So each time you come out, you're going another layer deeper, another layer deeper, another layer deeper. Makes more sense to just keep doing, isn't the yeah. definition of crazy or insane is keep doing the same thing, expect a different result. Yeah. Yeah. So according to Damien, I guess this is, comes from High Magic, is that it's called the Great Work, capital G, capital W. The great um, work of, of ceremonial magic is to break that and take mm. the tail out of the, and then I think that means you're not gonna incarnate anymore, or you come back as a, um, what do they call them? A bodhisattva. Ooh, yeah. Right? <laughs> sounds beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I love that, this, this spiral where it's not to repeat, you know, and, and I can look back at times in my life where I was definitely repeating the same shit over and over and over again. Um, and that's kind of when we're just living on an autopilot, you know, not much awareness going through our defaults, our programming, programming and all that kind of stuff. And in my experience and the, the humans that I work with anyway. And, but when we move into a spiral, it's like even the dark nights of the soul, each time we come to a, a new one, it's an opportunity to go deeper, like that spiral deeper, yes. deeper into the self, as opposed to like, oh, I'm here again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> there's new layers. There's new layers always that we're going deeper and deeper and yeah. deeper into. And, and 
and even if you've shed and you've you've gone that layer, I find you still have to have the conscious awareness and the courage to move in a new direction because you can fall back. One hundred percent. The courage is a huge, huge piece of it because it's asking us to step into an unknown, you know, and, and that yeah. takes courage to. Yeah. To do that. Yeah. To not sure. be comfortable. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I, I've been doing my shadow work during the waning phases mm. and my boundaries and protection work during the, the waxing. So in this one, it's a big thing that came up for what, where is it here? A friend of mine gifted me this book called um, Gold Mining the Shadows by Pixie Lighthorse. It's really, really good. Mm. And it's, you can almost treat it as divination because each page is a writing on a topic. Beautiful. So it's not like a full book. But anyways, there was uh, the false comfort or what I've gotten out of this round is like the willingness to be uncomfortable. And I know Brene Brown does a lot with her work with shame research and vulnerability as well. But like to be in discomfort you can say it, but it's like when those uncomfortable times, uncomfortable emotion, or like even changing your life pattern and your routines, or like trying to, you know, like, you know, get rid of an addiction, or like it's uncomfortable mm. and it takes mm. strength. And that gives me purpose for strengthening my physical body. Because when my physical body is weak and tired and undernourished, I have a hard time accessing the willpower to sit in discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's so true. It's like all systems on board, (laughs) mind, spirit, body, soul, all of it allows for that sitting in the discomfort because it can be very, very, very uncomfortable to, to lean into those spaces. But in my experience, that's where the like, you know, quote unquote work lies where we move into a space that is more of who we've ever been at any other time in our life. Um, so with, with the planets, is there anything coming up for you around that before I move back into the planets? That's great. Okay. Thank you. The planets, um, (laughs) Chiron, you spoke before we, we hopped on this call just about Chiron and the witch wound and how that plays out in our lives and so who is Chiron? Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you pose the question about the witch one obviously when I looked at astrology I'm like oh Chiron because Chiron in in uh, I, I'm moving more towards traditional or ancient astrology which just uses the seven visible planets so it doesn't often consider asteroids but Chiron's a special one that seems to just stick around. Um, it's an asteroid and it looks like a key the symbol of it looks like a key. So just like what we've been talking about is like our core wounds are the key mm. to the work we have to contribute to the world. It's kind of like um, some refer to Chiron as a wounded healer. Um, he was immortal, but then became mortal. So there's something about, um, you know, the pain of that's shared between mortality and immortality. Um, I'm not going to be great at explaining it that way, but <laughs> we all have a core wound. None of us gets away scot-free. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if you say you don't have a, a core wound, dig deeper. 
and uh, where it's positioned in the chart, I thought was interesting because I looked at it when you're talking about the witch wound and in particular the the fear of putting yourself out there on public display and speaking your truth um, with the fear of, of that is so strong that feels like your life is in danger. You know, so in my chart, Chiron is right on the in the tenth house, which is like the mid heaven. It's your public display. So I feel it when when I read the word, which like I lost my breath. I feel like I'm losing my breath right now. My speech is starting to increase, and even coming on this podcast is is very challenging for me because I'm just coming out of. You know, I went through an online attack. I was like, mm. you know, the, but there's a lot of that going on right now. A lot of people are getting attacked on online. So maybe it, if it becomes more normalized to be attacked by the public for speaking your truth, maybe it's not so scary. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but um, anyways, and, and mine's in, in Aries. So anytime I, I end up in kind of a leadership position, it's uh, it brings that up as well. So, and then I was, and, and your chart as well, you've, the Chiron is conjunct your moon, which mm -hmm. is, is a soul, like a soul wound. So I think that could be very much tied to that, that concept of the, of the witch wound as well, which is, and in the eighth house of being hidden. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And just touching, like, you know, when we speak out and share our truth, like with yours about being attacked online, you know, other women recognize themselves in that and they don't feel alone where they're like, oh, I'm being attacked online too. You know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. so powerful when we speak out about mm -hmm. the shadows, the dark nights of the soul, where we feel like we don't fit in because they're, they're, that's happening to other people 100%. Um, when I looked at so my Chiron, I thought it was in my intimate relationships. I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> well, eighth houses can be can be okay. associated with intimacy. Okay. Um, let me see. I think I have your chart right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's in your eighth house. Yeah, only three degrees away from your moon, so it's really close. Mm. And but the eighth house is like the seventh house is one-on-one -on -one intimate relationships. With so the eighth house is a sharing of energy with other people. Oh, okay. So it's, um, and it's also like, has been called the house of the Phoenix in, in ancient astrology, it's the house of death. Is the eighth house the one Scorpio? Is that Scorpio? Um, I don't tend to associate the signs with the houses. Okay. So that's, it's, um, I think it's called an equal, equal sign system or equal, um, Anyways, uh, because the houses are very different than the signs. So if we say the eighth house of Scorpio, then the eighth house doesn't get its individuation and Scorpio doesn't get its individuation, but they have some, some similar themes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is it like Pluto energy? Um, that would, they also have similar themes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah, for sure. But it's like, cause you have your planets, you have your houses and you have your signs and all of them are different things, but some of them, what I find is that the deeper I dig into ancient um, systems, the cross correspondences is crazy. Like there, nothing's black and white. It's like, this is just this mm. because it's a language of symbols. So it's beyond like all of our spoken languages and, 
you know, this can be this and that, but with this refined this way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important, like coming back to sinking into your inner own inner knowing, right? Like, how does this feel for me? Is this yeah. truth for me? Like using the astrological chart as like a, a blueprint and then sinking in what aligns, you know? hundred percent. Yeah. Using it as a tool for self-actualization and not for like something, tell me what to do. Yes, you know, but you were just talked about Pluto and Pluto's right on your ascendant, right on your rising sign. So this like path of the Phoenix rising is, yeah, it's in there. (laughs) It's right there. (laughs) Right there. Dharma. (laughs) Right in my Dharma. And yeah, Pluto's (laughs) that like, when we think of dark night of the soul, I mean, I'm not, I'm not versed in astrology at all but when i think of like dark night of the soul i feel pluto energy like that like you know yeah destruction takes away what is not truth you know yeah that's known as that transformation the the um like the butterfly and the chrysalis and all of what we've been talking about i haven't looked at pluto in a long time because it's um, not considered in the uh, ancient astrology that i've been focused on like with the hermetics Um, but there, I watched the astrology podcast. It's like, if you really want to geek out and get heady, like each one of them is like three hours long and they just go into something. But Richard Tarnas, who is like a, a psychological pioneer in, uh, modern astrology did a whole talk just last week. It was just released last week on Pluto. Mm. So that might be something if you, you know, want to geek out. To, <laughs> to listen to. Yeah. Beautiful case. So how does the body play in? Because I know dance is a huge part of your path and the medicine that you offer. And I remember when we danced on stage that one time, maybe I've a couple times couple times I danced on stage with you yeah you did and we were doing like the energy and it was like you could feel like the energy between all of us women and it it felt so witchy like it just felt (laughs) so like the energy between all of us and so I think dance is such a, a portal into intuition and the witch and all that magic so how does that play in for you yeah oh that's cool you feel that of course you feel it it's that's my favorite that you just mm. described there. It's like candy. It's like, oh my gosh, isn't this fun? And then you look at your friends and they've got like the biggest smile glowing from their soul. They're like, wee, <laughs> yeah, <is> fun. <laughs> and dancing in circles. I love dancing in circles with my friends. Yeah. Um, sorry, you got me excited. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> just how is like, how does dance tap you in or are used as a, a guide, a portal into the witch. Cause like our ancestors danced all the time and then mm-hmm. it was kind of stripped away. And now it's, it's something to come back to be in your body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if we're looking at witch and definition of like living a magical life, <laughs> say, then um, yeah, that's all dance to me is therapeutic too. Like there's a physical therapeutics to it, but um, I think when people speak of channeling, this is just, I'm just saying what comes up first. Um, dance and in particular performance dance is where I first experienced that. Mm-hmm. And the concept to be able to 
allow something to flow through your body and take you on a ride, right? To connect to something bigger than you. And you're just like, did I just do that? Like, I am not very flexibility is not one of my strong points. And uh, I got thrown into a high performance situation last minute that I wasn't prepared for. So I just let the vibration of the music absorb into my body and do what it wanted to do. And I was on the ground in the splits. Wow. I can't do the splits. (laughs) (laughs) Now you could blame that on adrenaline, right? But I don't know. I'd need a lot of adrenaline to, uh, to, but I abandoned, or maybe I just, my mind abandoned the fear that I had around it. Right. But I know my muscles like, have never been able to do the splits any other time but uh yeah so i've experienced that through dance um and then also um i don't know there's just so much that you can say there i even sometimes don't even want to call it dance Mm. just want to call it movement embodiment because just like the word witch and the word occult and the pentagram dance puts up flags for people. Why can't dance? Why can't dance? I'm like, can you lift your arm? Can you move your toe? You can dance. (laughs) And what is dance, but just embodying movement. I see dance in everything. I used to work with MMA fighters and, you know, I don't like violence. I'm not a fan of violence at all, but I, it was Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Muay Thai in particular coming together and it just looked like a dance and i was like there's a dance to this too and even like the muay thai fighters that they do a a prayer when they enter the ring and it's it's a traditional ritual dance to the four directions oh i love that yeah it's magic yeah you should uh, you could google raw moy i think that's what it's called it's been a long time but it's yeah it's beautiful and uh so i think for me, oh, I wrote something down here because there was a progression before dance. So I started with athletics and I was actually a competitive bodybuilder. I was like finished top three in Canadian bodybuilding. Wow. <laughs> it was another life, but I was, <laughs> this is where I was learning to develop my will. <laughs> but uh, prior to that, it was uh, team sports. So through team sports, especially like I had a lot of um, um, tough times growing up and I didn't know, like most of us in our generation, our parents didn't, weren't that great at showing us how to channel our emotions. So I played baseball and I hit home runs. I had a lot of home runs and I would fly and dive for every ball and I would just like exert my energy that way. So that's, I think one of the first times I learned how to use my body to release emotions. Um, And then, you know, I had a a section with uh, bodybuilding and Pilates. So early in my career. And I think what that taught me was um, how to condense and harness energy because Pilates and bodybuilding is about tightening and drawing inward. So how to magnetize and draw things inward. And then dark night of the soul, everything shifted, went to yoga. Yoga pulled, yoga pulled me out of uh, dark night of the soul in my 
mid-20s. And it taught me how to, what to do with that energy that I've been bringing inside, where to, how to move it and how to direct energy within my own body. Um, and then I hit a dark night of the soul with yoga and I felt like something, and then that's when dance entered my life. And uh, one of my dance teachers, Amy Sigil, always says, I know who I was before dance and I know who I am after dance. It's very much, I could say I knew who I was before bodybuilding, I knew who I was before yoga, I knew who I was after yoga, I knew who I was before dance, I knew who I'm after dance. And what dance taught me was that transmutation of energy. How to, right? So with sports, release the energy. With bodybuilding, draw the energy in, harness it, contain it. With yoga, utilize it, you know, direct it into certain areas. And with the dance, transmute it into something else. Mm, love that. And what it, what's the name that you use for the dance now? Cause it's changed or is that like totally shifted? Well, for the past uh, five years, well, prior to the pandemic, five years prior to the pandemic, I was studying a system called improv team sync. So improvisational, um, team synchronization. And, uh, so I studied it and learned that system of how to do improvisation with a group. Mm. Um, since the pandemic, I've, um, because we couldn't dance together as a group anymore. So I went back and started pulling out some of my old work and out of that birthed something new. And I am so in love with it. Its name is Conjure Motion Research and Ritual. And she is growing and, uh, I don't want to say too much about it because uh, the energy is being built right now, but I am offering, um, I'm sharing it in the classes and offering some workshops and it's based around the four elements of fire, water, air, and earth and embodying those elements in very specific ways. And so it's got a personal practice that you can do at home to learn the, the language. And then the system will be about um, performing it in, with a group so that you can expand it so yeah like what you were talking about when we did the performance like that energy that's building I want to continue to to work with that because I think some really cool stuff will come out from it and and uh, the feedback that I've gotten so far is that um, like you can come into a practice I guess it's like yoga or anything like you come in you can be in a rotten mood or you can feel off balance or you can be somewhere but you just practice and you get into the practice, you take yourself into the practice and afterwards you feel better. Mm -hmm. But the specific feedback I'm getting for this is that there's a balance that's felt. Like the feet feel rooted, the, you feel centered in your core, your shoulders feel light and aligned, like everything just feels balanced. And that was the goal. So I think we're on the right track. Yeah. Oh, that sounds magical. And I know yeah. what, like, just because you touched on the word alchemy, I think it was with the dance and when I, or when I do do dance, it's like the movement stirs up the energy in the womb space or the imprint of the womb. Everybody has a womb, which is like the cauldron where that the, you know, the waters sit and it mm -hmm. allows that like creation to form that alchemization into, you know, where we receive the nudges or the wisdom from the goddess, but it just moves those sacral waters, which feels so, um, 
juicy is the word that I'm that's coming to mind where like that the pleasure and the the sensual aspects of life and it's such a portal to sit into and um, create from that space particularly like when you're doing work with your pelvis and hips yeah just the movement you know like the I'm moving my arms right now which nobody can Mm -hmm. see but it's like (laughs) moving your knees so your hips are moving yeah. The hips and that might not be offered in yoga not in the yoga that I guide people in yeah. right like that like where you're moving the hips and it's churning the waters yes and that's like where our creatrix lives yeah. for everybody you know well in the Kabbalah tree of life that's where the moon lives mm. and also in yoga chakras that's where the moon lives right yeah, yeah the sacral yes um, do you want to touch on dance and the, and the chakras? Does anything come up for you? Just that balancing even of the elements, you know, the fire, the water, the earth, the air, how movement can balance those within the body. Mm-hmm. Elements in the body, chakras in the body, spheres in the body. So a lot of these ancient traditions placed different energy centers in different areas of the body. Where I find this is fascinating is that not only just for healing, because um, in the past with my yoga experience and practice, I've used mostly the chakras for you know focusing on healing certain parts of the body and using that internally. Um, now I'm exploring with dance um, archetypal embodiment around certain spheres or chakras or energy centers, um, applying the the principle of correspondences. So if, you know, fire is associated with the heart, is associated with the sun, is associated with, you know, um, the intuitive part of yourself with uh, consciousness, the conscious mind. So if you're dancing, leading from the heart, you're embodying those correspondences. Same as if you're in the pelvis, uh, which is you know, water, which is the moon, which is you know our our emotional nature, our imagination, our unconscious mind. So if we want to receive, say even messages, if we want to communicate with the body that way, just you know put on a, a music mix that feels watery to you, and dance from your pelvis and and meditate on those correspondences with that area of the body and see what comes up. Mm, Love that. Yeah. It's like opening those portals, the heart and the womb and just um, whatever wants to be birthed. So we'll we'll drop into the loony solar from here because that's one of your creations of working with the moon and the sun. And so what what is the loony solar? Well, we call it, it's the lunisolar calendar. We didn't create the, the calendar. It already exists in the universe. <laughs> but we made it pretty and functional for you to use in everyday life. Um, so it is a project. I have two, um, we'll call them Moon Muse projects with uh, my partner, Zephram, who is an incredible graphic designer and DJ. He's just a... Uh, creative beast (laughs) we'll put it that way but uh so we made a calendar because all the moon count the calendars that have the moon phases on them 
at least the ones I've seen, they were all going like in spirals or straight lines. I'm like, I wanted like our normal calendar that had just an on the wall that I could just put it on the wall and see the whole year, see the months, and then see where the new moons are, see where the full moons are, see where the quarter moons are, and see where the ingresses of the sun are. I just want that on one wall <laughs> so I can look at it. Yeah. And he's like, well, I could make that. <laughs> so he did his magic and just made it. It's like an art piece. It's so beautifully done. And uh, so we did that last year and then we did it again this year. And this year he's like, we should probably make like a guidebook or something to go with it, like a little instructional. So, you know, some people who want to know how they can use their calendar can do that. And I was like, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. And then, and then I went down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank God I had a deadline, but it turned out to be a 47 page, like full color guide and workbook. So there's like a guide in the beginning that breaks down, you know, just the basic roots of astrology, where it came from, some examples of how you can work with the new moon, how you can work with the full moon. I've just used waxing and waning phases. I haven't gone into quarter phases or any details like that, kept it real simple. And then made a journal page for each new moon and each full moon in 2022 with some examples of of some journaling prompts or things that you can work with. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, we're super excited. And you can get that on Zephram's website. Okay, so Um, we'll put that in the show notes. Perfect. Yeah, amazing. So what are the other offerings that you have at this time? Well, um, Well, the other project that we did, Moon Muse Project, was the music mix and meditation series. So we did an experiment, his idea, not my idea, (laughs) didn't know what I was getting into, but um, he wanted to learn more about astrology and the elements and what it's all about. So he learns musically. So he's like, what if I do a DJ music mix for every new moon and every full moon for a whole year? And I'm like, that's a great idea. It's like, yeah. So if it's like in Libra, new moon in Libra, I'll just like focus on like the air element and the cardinal and, you know, what Libra represents. And then, and then how does that sound for me? Cause he's a EDM DJ. So electronic dance music, but not a certain genre. So he does house, he does drum and bass, there's techno in there. There's some, and there's just mixed folky stuff too like it's all over the map just like the zodiac but uh, I was like yeah that's great you go do it and then he's about to do his first one he's like would you mind just like writing a meditation for the beginning and for the end just to kind of book light bookend it and give it some some structure and then would you like record it and then I can just like lay it in with the track and I'm like oh yeah okay that'd be great what did I get myself into <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, we, every new moon and every full moon, and we wanted to test out like some astrological magic. And so the whole thing needed to be done within the 13 hours preceding the lunation. Oh, wow. And they happen at all times of the day. Like sometimes it's the middle of the night, but so I didn't start writing the meditation until that 13 hours. Wow. So we were doing it at the same time. So he hadn't received it yet sometimes, you know, and I'm like last minute Lucy over here. And sometimes I think I give him a heart attack. He's like, where's the meditation? I'm almost done the mix. 
So anyways, we got through it all, but now we have this, they're all on SoundCloud. They're, each one of them is about an hour long. And so now like talking back to the dance and the elements, like say there's like, what's our next new moon, our next new moon's in Aquarius. So I go on SoundCloud, we've got the playlist there and you find new moon in Aquarius. And then it's an air element. So that's all like in your throat and your shoulders and your hands and your arms. So just spend an hour with the Aquarius new moon mix, dancing with your arms and your hands. See what comes up. I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. And, and you also have your Patreon. Do you want to say Yeah, that? so I have three offerings right now. Um, we've been developing the Patreon for a year now. So in that one, I do like a weekly vlog, uh, basically a report on my life and how I'm flowing, just sharing, a sharing of experience of like how I'm working with the moons, what's going on, the development. And then there's um, Lunar Lifestyle Membership, which I give like um, astrology information on how to more customize your journey with the moon. And then there's the Drill Squad, and that gives you access to all my movement videos there's a whole library in there there's a whole bunch of them and then every second tuesday we have a live zoom movement class together mm -hmm. that's patreon and then uh, i'm also teaching in class uh, workshops i'm doing a series of conjure motion uh workshops one saturday every month and we're going to do one element so the first one is this coming saturday and we're going to do the air element because sun's in aquarius <laughs> so then and by the spring equinox, we will have all four elements done. And then I'm also doing one-on-one -on -one work again, which I didn't do for a while. And now I'm so happy I'm back at it because it's super rewarding. And I'm starting those programs all together, like just as 12-week programs or 10-week programs that start at the beginning of each season. So we're already into the one right now. And the next one will start in the spring equinox. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. All the magic. All the magic cake. <laughs> Just a couple questions to close. So what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned so far? <laughs> Let me look at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wrote about 20 of them down here. Okay. Let yep. me just see. I'm going to close my eyes and point to on my page and just talk about the one that I end up in. Huh. It's hilarious. Watch your back. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Pay attention to behaviors. They don't lie. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Other people's behaviors? Behaviors in general. Behaviors don't lie. That's true. That's true. Our own behavior doesn't lie. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you can watch your own back to your own self too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a powerful one. Yeah. And then after that, I have the song, you'll get up down, you'll get up again, and you'll get up again. It will happen. It will happen. The dark nights of the soul. Oh, and my God. Never give up on the power of love. That's mm -hmm. also important, too. And, you know, yeah. Always yeah. open to, and that goes, I think, the same as like, you have to take a risk when you love mm -hmm. because it's going to, the, the equal amount of pain could come with that. The same as putting yourself out there and your truth out there and your passion. There's a risk 
that it's, you know, could blow up in your face. And, you know, so I find connecting to something bigger than you is super important. Yeah. So recognizing everything is a cycle, everything shall pass. If it's not for you, it's not. There's a lesson in everything. Teachers are everywhere. And take the time to connect to something far, far, far greater than the single person. Beautiful. That's wisdom for the day. That's a lot of wisdom. How do you experience <laughs> the mysteries? How do I experience the mysteries? Well, the first thing that came to mind for me was pain and humility mm. are the fastest ways to the mysteries. Like we've been talking about here, the rise from the ashes and the, you know, unfortunately they're like, I find like the quickest way to the deepest, like raw, messy. It's like really good sex. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's usually like just raw and messy and ugly and just like, but so juicy and <laughs> Going right in, right in. (laughs) Go right in, yeah. Yeah, you don't care what comes out of where, you're just in it. (laughs) Um, So I guess sex (laughs) is the way to experience the mysteries. (laughs) Sex, pain, um, and also like moments of great, great joy and contentment and appreciation I don't think you can experience it's it's equal to the pain that you've endured I think like when those moments come it's almost like you can find more gratitude in the simple things like when I spent Mm. my Saturn return living in a van like roughing it and had no connection to anything and I came back home uh, my brother was getting married for a bit and stayed with my mom. And she still talks to it this day, how grateful I was for the warm shower. Mm-hmm. And she's just and a hot meal. And she's just like, wow, this is, I like this part of you. <laughs> she's like, you're so grateful for everything. And if you've ever raised a teenager, you know how yeah. that goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. It definitely opens your capacity, you know, the pain for the joy for sure. Last one, how do you root into the self? Breath. Mm, Yeah. Breath is a powerful one and it's so simple, but I know I forget to breathe all the time. Right? (laughs) It's like you're not breathing. Every time it works. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. Mm, thank how, you. I, I want to know how, how do you root? How do you experience the mysteries? I'm just real oh, interested. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think like mm, the time that comes like to mind, you know, just like I remember being uh, with the love on his like deck and looking up at the stars and just like it, the creek was right beside us and there was cedar trees all around us and just all these stars you know, you just looked up and it was like, holy shit. Like it's all such mystery and magic. So those moments where you just are looking with honest eyes, because like the reality is, is like, it's all a mystery all around us. You know, like I can look out right now and there's trees all around me and it's like, that's a mystery. You know, it's, I think it's those moments like that moment, like looking up and seeing the stars or, um, like we saw bioluminescence and it's just like, wow, like this is so freaking magical all of it is so magical and it's it's seeing it's seeing what's already there 
yeah. feels like the mysteries to me, you know, even so, just like dropping into my heart and being like, I am doing nothing and you're just beating, you know, and you beat yeah. every moment. It's like, holy shit. Right. <laughs> I'm a miracle. <laughs> yeah. I'm a miracle. Like where it's all so mysterious. Um, when we see with, with our true eyes. Yeah. There's just, there's so much, right. Yeah. It's overwhelming. It is. It is. And I know for myself, I get so caught up in the humanness, you know, and by that, I mean like, you know, the day to day and the, I got to do this. I got to do that. Da, 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 whatever. And it's like, just like pausing and being like, holy shit, I'm, yeah. I'm alive. I'm here, you know, right. what flesh. in the flesh, in the flesh. So yeah. Apparently in all the dimensions, this is the one everyone wants to be in because we have the five physical senses. We can smell and taste and touch and hear. And I think about, I dream a lot in, in dream space. Like you can't taste, you could be eating the best meal of your life in your dream space. And can you taste mm -hmm. it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that, just that remembering, like we signed, we waited to come here. Yeah. Know? So Enjoy it while you're here. Get all you <laughs> yeah. can. Squeeze the juice out of that fruit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the magic. Yeah. Oh, thank you, love, so much for this conversation. Um, beautiful and potent and rich. And where you can reach out to Tanya will be in the show notes. So you can witness all her magic. And yeah, thank you so much. And I'll look forward to another conversation on here. For oh, sure. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been such a pleasure. You are such a magical being. <laughs> yeah, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for allowing me space to share. Mm, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. Please like, share, download, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you next week for another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast. Sending so much love.